free from the burden of sin. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is Power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb Would you be wider, much wider than snow There's power in the blood Power in the blood Sin stains are lost In its life-giving flow There's wonderful power in the blood there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my, all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bullocks upon thine altar. All right. Praise the Lord. It is a great blessing to be here. And it's a great blessing to recognize the blessing. Because so much of the time we fail to do so. I know in our daily lives a lot of times we fail to recognize the importance of the time that the Lord has given us to be together. Oh, it is so important. So, uh, turn with me this morning to, first off, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we are going to talk about uh, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. So we notice uh, in verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Let a man examine himself. We actually talked about that uh, last week. We're talking about partaking of the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, which is the Word of God, the living Word of God. 
And we talked about preparing ourselves to do so. It's important because our minds get so full of other things, don't they? So many other things that clog up, if you will, the thought processes of our mind. And so we talked about, I'm going to get it this time, the sherbet over at the steakhouse. And how they give it to you to cleanse, cleanse excuse me, cleanse your palate before you partake of the main meal or the steak in that case. And so that's something that we need to do, not just right before we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we don't uh, partake of it unworthily, as Paul puts it, but it's something that we need to do on a daily basis, isn't it? To cleanse our thought processes before we seek God. It's a preparation, isn't it? And that's what we're to do before we come together and partake of the Lord's Supper. We are to prepare ourselves. How so? Well, we certainly want to uh, bring all of those things that continue to plague us as far as sin in our lives, sinful thoughts in our minds before the Lord and ask forgiveness, don't we? Yes, we need to confess our sins. There again, not just the week before that we, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, but every day. It's important that we prepare ourselves uh, as we look to and seek the Lord. What is it? Is it Psalms 105 that says, "Oh, give praise unto the Lord." Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him. Talk of all His wondrous works. Uh, Glad are the hearts of those who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. That's the scripture I'm looking at. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. What went before that? Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. We come together and we sing before we start preaching, don't we? We do. Because it clears our mind. And it adjusts, if you will, the thoughts of our hearts. It reminds us, again, as Brother Chuck was talking about earlier, why we're here and who we're here for. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk of all His wondrous works. You see that this is part of a preparation to seeking Him. Glory ye in his holy name. And then let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Yes, we should be the most joyous people on earth. We have a gift from God that we don't and never would have 
deserved. God has given us this ordinance to remember what He's done for us. What it cost Him. Now, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, it has no power to save. No, it's a remembrance of what the Lord has already done for us. The Lord, over and over, has to remind us of what He's done for us, doesn't He? I know I talk a lot about the gospel message and the importance to repeat it over and over. Make known His deeds. Talk of all His wondrous works. It's important that we remember what He's done for us. The wine and the bread, they don't. The Lord said, this is my blood, this is my flesh. They don't physically become His flesh. The blood doesn't, I mean, the wine doesn't physically become His blood, and some teach that it does. But they are a reminder of what God did for us when He came to this earth and gave His perfect body to be torn for us, bruised for us, pierced for us. Verse 24, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. And when He had given thanks, He broke it. He broke the bread. doesn't say that He sliced it up. It says that He broke the bread. This is relevant wording because His body was broken. It was broken for you. They mashed a crown of thorns on His head. We can't imagine the pain of that. And it stayed there, and the pain stayed there. His body was broken for us. It's significant. And the reason that we break the loaf is because it is as close as we can get to representing what He did for us in His flesh with His body. He was a real man. He suffered real pain. We can't think that because he was God, he didn't really have to feel what we would feel if we went through that. No, he was a real man, and he felt every pain that our redemption and the cost of it put him through. All right, we're in verse 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it. Our Lord was a prayer, wasn't he? Yes, he was. We were talking the other day, me and uh, Hoop that was here last week, uh, he was saying that the Lord's Prayer is not the Lord's Prayer. And he's right. It's a prayer for us to pray to the Lord. And it's an outline or uh, an indication of the right, right way to approach God. The Lord's Prayer, there's a whole bunch of them in here, aren't there? He prayed a lot. 
at a lot of the Lord's prayers in the New Testament. A lot of them. So when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. That's the whole reason for the Lord's Supper. It's to remember Him. Remember what He went through for us. Oh, we owe Him everything that we could ever possibly give or do for Him, don't we? And this ordinance is to remember that very thing. It helps us to remember who He is and the person that He was and is. He lives today. He died, but He lives. He lives today. He was not an angel. Even the top angel fell and will have to pay for his sins. He wasn't an angel. No, He was a person of the Godhead. He was God Himself. Wasn't just a good man, although He was the best man ever. But He was so much more than that. He was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. So we see that He did not have the sinful nature that we have. He was special in so many ways. We can't even find all of them out how special He was. He did not have the sinful nature that we have. There was no man involved in His birth. If He was just a good man, He certainly wouldn't have had the power to save us, would He? No, because He'd have had His own sin. He wouldn't have qualified to be the Savior that He is. If He had just been a good man. If He had just been a good man, He would have deserved His own punishment, wouldn't He? Absolutely. But He was the Lord of glory. The sinless Son of God. Oh, how we should remember who He was and who He is. And then it's for us to remember what He became. He was not under the curse of Adam and Eve. You and I were. But He took that and He became a curse for you and for me. What a love he must have had for him to lay down his life, the perfect man that he was, and become cursed for you and for me. We need to remember that. We need to remember that he was despised and rejected of men. We've already read it this morning. 
His own received Him not. I need to remember that when He hung on that cross, when He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? There are some extremely educated preachers that say God did not forsake Him. But let me tell you, my Lord, don't lie. And He said it. He was forsaken by His Father. That's probably the hardest, the most painful thing that He went through for us. It's important that we remember what He became for us. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, and there are, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Here we are back in the mind. Back in preparing the mind. When we think of God, it causes us to be lowly in mind, doesn't it? It causes us to realize the humility that we must have. Because He's God. I'm a sinner. That He loves so much He gave His life for let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God. Because he is God, and he was God. Yet he made of himself no reputation. In other words, he humbled himself. What an example for us. He was God, and he humbled himself. Something he became for us that we need to remember. But he made, of, of him, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found, verse 8, in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to a covenant that he was bound in was God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He carried out God's plan, didn't he? And he did it because of the love he had for us. We are the people that God gave him, God the Father gave him, in the council halls of eternity. And he agreed to obey. He agreed to be obedient to that covenant for our sake and for the sake of His glory. Being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient. How far? All the way to this death that we're remembering when we partake of the Lord's Supper. Unto death, even 
the death of the cross. That was a horrible death. That was a painful death. That was a death that he anticipated because he had agreed to go through it. He knew it was coming. Yet in the garden, he sweated, sweated as it were, drops of blood. He was a real person. He felt what a real person would have felt under the knowledge of what he had agreed to do to fulfill the will of God that had been taught all the way from the Garden of Eden when the innocent animals were slain, their blood spilt to provide coats of skins to cover Adam and Eve's sinfulness. It worked because that blood represented this blood that we think about, that we remember being shed when we partake of the Lord's Supper and the wine representing His blood. Verse 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every knee will. Everyone, every knee shall bow before Him. That every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means that we have the power to save ourselves? Of course not. No. It means to continue to work by cleansing our mind and partaking of Jesus Christ in His Word. By remembering what He saved us for. He saved us for a witness to Him, hadn't He? He saved us to glorify Him among people. Great Savior. He became obedient unto death. He was God, yet He became a servant. He humbled Himself. He was born of a woman. He was an infant. Totally dependent. The God who created all things. <clears throat> I tell you, that's humility, isn't it? He was rich with all glory with the Father. Yet He became poor that we, His own people, might be rich. And we're talking about spiritual riches here life eternally with Him. Mm -hmm. All the silver, gold, and the entire world piled up in one stack. You know how many souls that would save? Zero. <coughs> it's worthless. 
It's wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up, isn't it? Oh, but these riches that God earned in the person of Jesus Christ when He lived the perfect life and then voluntarily gave it up for you. Now that is riches. He was infinite, holy, He knew no sin. Yet He assumed all of your guilt, all of my guilt. He became our sin bearer. That's why God the Father forsook Him or turned His back on Him. Because He had sin on Him. God cannot look upon sin. He had your sin on Him and my sin on Him. He bore our sin. The Lord over all worlds became a wanderer without anywhere to lay His head. The stroke of God's justice fell on Him and only Him. We need to remember that He tells us to commemorate Him in this ordinance for the reason of remembering what He suffered for us. We deserved that. He didn't. It's communion with Him. What a Savior. The blood that was shed all through the Old Testament was looking forward to the blood that He shed on the cross. The wine that we partake of by His instructions when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it looks back to the blood that He did shed for us. That perfect blood He knew no sin. The only qualifier in all of time to hang on that cross and satisfy God. If we're to be pleasing to God, we're going to have to be in Jesus Christ, aren't we? We're going to have to remember Him, aren't we? We're going to have to remember what He did for us. Oh, how thankful we should be. Not just on Sunday, but every breath that we take is another blessing from Him. He has invested this life in us. We're still here, so we're not done for Him, are we? No. No, when we're done for Him, I believe He'll take us home. No, there are things for us to do. There are people for us to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were sinners. We were only saved by grace. God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to live a perfect life. He did so for 33 and a half years on this sin-cursed earth. He qualified to die for you. No one else ever has. When He died on the cross, He carried your sin. And God put them away forever. In three days, He arose from the grave because death couldn't hold Him. He was God. And when He rose from the grave, He arose triumphant. He had completed perfectly the perfect plan of God for salvation. 
God sent an angel to roll back the stone to indicate that Jesus Christ had paid the entire price that God demanded of you and me. And He did it for us. Oh, if you believe this morning that He hung on that cross, He was in that grave three days for you. You will spend eternity with Him because He cannot lie. And that is His promise. He is a powerful and loving Savior. Oh, won't you trust in Him this morning? Won't you put all of your confidence in Him because nowhere else has the stability to hold your life. But the rock of Jesus Christ does. Oh, won't we remember what He's done for us? It will certainly cleanse our minds from all these other thoughts of other things and it will cause us to look to Him with thanksgiving and thankfulness that we can't even express comes from our hearts. Oh, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face evermore. We will be learning of Him, I believe, forever. He's that marvelous and that great. He's a great Savior.